You're listening to Lavender Gaze. I'm so excited about this episode of Lavender Gaze. We are joined with Hunter Ray. Woo! <laughs> they are the founder of Fox and Fern, a somatic sex coaching business based in San Francisco. Hunter is queer, somatic sex and intimacy coach who works with clients to help them unlock deeper levels of sexual connection and work through things that hold them back from having satisfying and fulfilling sexual experiences. Welcome, Hunter. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. <laughs> it's so cool that you're here. I'm so excited for this conversation. No, I'm stoked. I've been really looking forward to it. And if you are just tuning in or you don't know us yet, this is Lavender Gaze. I'm Sam. She, her pronouns. I'm Brett. She, her pronouns. And I'm Hunter. I go by they, she. Cool. Awesome. So Hunter, hey, <laughs> hey, what's up? Thank you for coming here to talk to us. We have so many questions. I have so many questions for you. And I guess I just want to start by asking you, so you're a somatic sex coach. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? A lot of people, <laughs> you know, I think also like the word somatic maybe is like a little bit less familiar to people. Mm -hmm. And so- how would you describe kind of your approach to the people that you work with? Yeah. So the word somatic is a nod to the somatic nervous system, which I'm sure you know as a dancer, and I'm eager to get into that Yeah, me too. as well. But the somatic nervous system is responsible for conveying sensory information from the body to the brain. So as a somatic coach, I help people by using tools like mindfulness, breath work, visualization techniques to bridge that gap between the senses that people tend to or kind of socialize to not really experience as much yeah, and bringing that into the mind and body and kind of bridging that gap there. Cool. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. Like it really is. It's going to be so interesting to talk to you about this because I think I think about these things a lot through a different lens because mm -hmm. I am a dancer. And so I have done a lot of exploration on my own with the goal of like finding more like ease of movement mm -hmm. and more like availability in my body. But I will say also that to be totally honest, like when I started kind of delving into somatic education and modalities, it was a real time of like I felt like I was getting to know myself and my body in this very like intimate way that mm -hmm. I had not before. And like, honestly, like that is very connected to sexuality. And I felt that within myself that it was very connected. And so for you, you're kind of bringing all these pieces together and seeing clients, seeing people who come to you with specific issues. Yeah. And so like, what are the types of clients that, that come to you? Yeah. Absolutely. What are, what, their, are the, what are their issues? What are the things? Yeah, that you try yeah. to help them without, <laughs> without um, you know, spilling the client patient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Privilege. No, it's really interesting to hear you, and really awesome to hear you talk about your experience with the somatic nervous system. And I think this is going to be especially interesting because we've got somebody who's looking at it, you know, myself from a very like a sexual empowerment space. And then you have like body empowerment and then somebody who experiences it in everyday life, right. Without necessarily a level of awareness to it. Right. Are you, are you talking about me? Yeah. Is that because I have a lot of sex or 
no, no, no. I, you me, said it, dude. No one else here said it. You did. You said it. No, I, I mean, like, know, somebody who doesn't necessarily have, because we chatted a little bit when yeah. putting this podcast together, mm-hmm. like, you were like, I, what does the word somatic even mean, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so I feel like you kind of have this true, honest perspective on what we're going to be talking about. And I don't have it from a dancer's perspective, yeah, right? Yeah. And you don't have it from a sex coach's yeah. perspective. So I really appreciate the kind of like trio yeah, that's cool. going yeah, on here. Cool. I feel it. Yeah, same. And so in terms of people who come to me and what types of issues people are looking to solve or understand or learn more about. I have seen clients that are working with erectile dysfunction. I've seen clients who have vulvas who are looking for kind of like knowledge and understanding of why it's hard for them to get wet. I've had people come to me who are looking to be more embodied when they're having sex. I've had people who have had a really hard time learning how to give or learning how to receive. I think receiving is probably one of the biggest things that I've helped people with because it is so vulnerable and it is yeah. so hard for people to just accept and to to let feel go. and to let yeah. go and to be in that vulnerable space. And so yeah. those are kind of, you know, typically the things that people come to see me for. Wow. And can we double tap on that one? On yeah. the receiving? Ask away. <laughs> okay. I don't, without like giving away too much personal pieces to this, but I've definitely had partners that were not wanting to receive. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird. Like, I mean, and to be perfectly <laughs> clear, though. I didn't. No, yeah. I mean, no, I feel like that's crossed the boundary. Okay. Yeah. So how could I, as a partner of that person, help them? feel more comfortable receiving? I love this question. I'm so happy you asked that question. And I also want to just acknowledge that this, I think is where we're going to start getting into a little bit of the queer territory too. Because when we talk about giving and receiving as a queer person myself, I think about this kind of concept of tops and bottoms, right? And how people claim the identity of a top or the identity of a bottom based on their comfortability in giving and receiving. Mm. And I think it's very interesting and beautiful that the queer community has claimed different terminology as a way to claim that as part of their identity. And I also see it as kind of a growing edge for people in the queer community too, because like you're saying, partners sometimes don't know how to give or receive, and that can be really challenging. And it's almost like, okay, well, I understand that this is part of your identity as a top or a bottom. And also, are you open to experimenting with Mm -hmm. that with me? Like, where's your boundary in that Mm -hmm. container, right? And so when you're asking me like, okay, what are some things that I could do to make my partner feel more comfortable receiving? Honestly, the first thing I'm going to say is ask them directly. Like, yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) You're no, like, yes, I've done that. Though, okay. yeah, that's because that can be really hard. Yeah. I think it's really Absolutely. hard to be really direct and or ask like, people to have that communication in that vulnerable space. Yeah. Of giving and receiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And asking them with the intention of listening to their response authentically, mm-hmm. because some people don't know the answer and they'll get a little bit clammy and they'll yeah. get, I mean, if you are in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and someone asks, how can I make this easier for you? Out of the context of sex and intimacy, it's the same thing. You know, you're asking somebody, hey, do we need to take a break? Do we need to take a breath? Do you want to change positions? Is it something that I'm doing that's making you feel some sort of way? Is there something going on 
outside of this? Are you really in your head? I feel that a lot of the clients I work with who have trouble receiving are often in their head and not in their body. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody is then put in a position where if somebody is in their head and then you're put in a position where somebody is touching your body in the most intimate and vulnerable way and you're supposed to just jump right into pleasure, what? Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. you have to be in your body and ready to receive before you can actually enjoy it. That's so beautiful. I love that. And so how can we help these people get in their body? Yeah. Well, I think in terms of just everyday life, right? Like you asking me, okay, well, if I'm in a situation where I'm with a partner who's not in their body, I would say do some sort of embodiment exercise together and make it sexy and make it fun. That's cool. I love that. You can breathe together. That can be so hot, you guys. It sounds a little woo-woo, and I fully understand when I say it. Some people are like, okay. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah, do a breathing exercise. This is why a lot of people, I think the the hot word is foreplay, right? Mm. What is what is foreplay? Yeah. It's yeah. breathing. It's touching in a non-sexual way. It's setting the container. It can be anything mm-hmm. that gets you in your body. So I would say oh, yeah. doing something before the lead-in where there's no pressure to receive. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on it, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. What are you two thinking about as I'm saying this? Because I see the wheels turning on both sides. I have a lot of things. (laughs) Go ahead. That are coming to mind, but I want to go back to speaking about specifically queer experience and queer sex. Yeah. Because as you're saying, we have these sort of terms that are sort of supposed to communicate your level of comfortability with certain sex, sexual dynamics. Mm -hmm. And for our straight friends out there, those are often assumed, Mm -hmm. right? Those roles. And so there's this kind of script that like I feel occurs. I mean, I'm speaking from my experience (laughs) before I came out of what that sort of pressure felt like. And I imagine that there's still a lot of people who even are in queer relationships who maybe in their actual brains are not subscribing to those scripts, but then they maybe sort of still like might come up because they are so socialized into you. And so I guess what I'm wondering is because we were speaking about how actually maybe just ask your partner like a question, how is this going for you? What can I do to help you feel better about this and why that is so hard and actually like breaking the script and like addressing in real time, like what's going on between two people rather than just like playing a role and playing in the part and like, I'm supposed to be doing this. And like, how do you like quiet those voices in your brain that sort of apply pressure to what you think you're supposed to be doing or how you think you're supposed to be pleasing someone or receiving pleasure? Absolutely. No, I think you're spot on. And so what I'm hearing are two different kind of threads in the question going on. So the first one is how do we break the script? I feel like acknowledging the script is part of the work of breaking it. Mm. And I think that the script comes from being socialized as either male, female, right? There's such a binary in culture. And we also get that a lot in movies, TV, music, right? 
And I always laugh when I think about like sex scenes in movies because it's like this hot, steamy, like wordless, like people are not communicating. They just assume everything and it works beautifully. And that is such a misrepresentation of what sex actually is. It's messy. You can laugh, but you can take breaks. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to mess up quote unquote, right? It's fun. And it's an intimate way of exploring somebody else's body. And you're not going to be able to do it wordlessly. You have to communicate. You have to know what your own boundaries are. You have to understand that the person that you're touching and engaging with is going to have boundaries that you don't know about. You will cross them, most likely. Mm. You'll have to know how to have a repair conversation about it, right? Mm. Or be able to move through it in some way. And I think that that is part of what intimacy is right? It's like fully accepting who you are and where you're coming from and knowing your body and embodied and intimate space. And then being able to carry that and communicate that to somebody else, both verbally and Mm non-verbally. And so I think by just simply acknowledging what intimacy actually is and what sex actually is in the real world, as opposed to the scripts Mm. that we're just constantly being fed that starts to help break down the inauthenticity that comes with sex in general, because we all believe that we're supposed to be doing it in a certain way. And if we're communicating about it, then we must be doing it wrong because in the movies and in pornography. Yeah. yeah, Oh my God. And porn too. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Do you, so like, I know consent has been a really big deal. Like, I mean, it wasn't when I was, coming through my sexual awakening, you know, and maybe you guys too, when you were younger. Like and people didn't talk about it. It yeah. wasn't like you no. didn't yeah. ask, can I kiss you? Like we yeah. waited till the moment yeah. or like they, people kissed you or vice versa. And mm-hmm. we were like, you would find out later if you wanted to do that or not, or if yeah. they did. Yeah. And, you know, moving through like in a really great way, like asking permission before you explore someone's body or different parts of their body, mm-hmm. I think is a really great way to kind of evoke these conversations around yeah, like exactly what we're talking about. So I guess, do you have some tips or tools? Cause like sometimes it can be awkward. Like for me, (laughs) can I do this? Like I could, I feel like the first few times I'm having sex with someone, it is just like me, like going through the checklist to make sure I'm not crossing a boundary, which is, you know, and then later it's like, then you can, you understand like where their boundaries are and can kind of have less questions involved in the actual sex. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of one of the stickiest things when it comes to consent culture is like, well, how do I do it without like, you know, I'm using air quotations right now, but like, how do I do it without like breaking the mood or dampening like the intimacy or like the eroticism that comes with like the anticipation of having a kiss, right. Or like, like escalating something. And I think that we have such a powerful tool, which is language. It doesn't necessarily have to be a direct question. Like, can I kiss you? Or can I touch you here? You can get consent explicitly without necessarily asking an explicit question. For example, Mm -hmm. I can say, I can't stop thinking about kissing you right now. Yeah. That's so hot. Yeah. (laughs) I want someone to say that to me. Right. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. And then you get consent. Right. And that's verbal, explicit consent without doing the kind of like ABC checklist. 
you know? Yeah, I'm going to use that one. Okay, good. I hope everybody uses it. <laughs> yeah, It's definitely great. one in my toolbox. That's great, yeah. I feel like the, like the last 10 first kisses I've had, it's always, can I kiss you? Which, like, I can't, that's so much better. And then they end up, <laughs> but, damn. Yeah, it's like a huge advice. compliment, right? And then mm. it's like, oh my gosh, really? Okay, and it actually heightens it. And so then you're using consent as a tool to build on the eroticism, which is foreplay, which is embodiment. And so, right, when you say like, I can't stop thinking about kissing you right now, your mind starts thinking about your body and you're bringing yourself mm -hmm. online unless there's some sort of anxiety there, right? It's different from person to person, right. but. So you're cons saying that's starting the somatic journey of, yeah. whoa. No. And that makes so much sense to me too. Like, <laughs> as you're saying, it, it's like, yeah, like consent is sexy. Like you want people to want to be doing stuff with each other, like mm -hmm. <laughs> with yeah. you, like consent is hot. <laughs> yeah. And so to how, how do you actually like, let it be hot and, yeah. and really like, yeah. Any other, I mean, it, it could be, is, no, it the same, so is that the I same tool too for like, I can't stop thinking about going down on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Use that. Wow. <laughs> And you can play with it too, right? And kind of find your own language and, and your own kind of like toolbox essentially, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think also when it comes to consent and authenticity specifically is one of the things that I work with a lot of my clients on because you were saying, Sam, like consent is sexy. That's what you said, which is what triggered this thought for me. Authenticity is also sexy because you want the person that you're touching to want to touch you. And if both people are just going through this script, you can feel the inauthenticity and you can feel that there's not as much desire there or that you're kind of holding yourself back or stifling your own kind of eroticism in order to fit a script or to do what you think the other person wants or to do what you think the other person thinks is sexy when really what is actually sexy is feeling desired and so touching for your own pleasure is another big thing that I teach my clients, which is touch people with consent in the way that you want to touch them because they will feel mm, how hot good. that is. Yo, that is so good. I can think about <laughs> That's like, really good. Yeah, no, that is really good. Changing the concept of it's my job to pleasure this person. Yeah. I hope I do a good job. I hope I get them there, right? Orgasm is the goal. All mm -hmm. of that is the script. And so by taking that off the table we can start to really bring ourselves back to the authentic parts of ourselves that want to be touched in certain ways that want to touch others in certain ways. And I think that another thing that I like to talk about is erotic energy. Like mm -hmm. you can feel it. You can feel when somebody's into you, you can feel when there are eyes across the room, you can yeah. feel when somebody wants to kiss you. Right. And that energy, you can't really explain it in words. It's just kind of a feeling, mm -hmm. right? It's like that sixth sense yeah. that humans have. And that is something that can absolutely be harnessed in the bedroom, mm -hmm. right? And you can play with that and feed into it and feel desire and feel eroticism without doing the script and kind of like forcing yourself to fit into what you think the other person wants. Yeah. 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 Do what feels good. I feel like I've experienced like both sides of that with partners Yeah, where they're touching me because they think I want to be touched in a way. And it like, I'm like, you don't need to touch it. Like I don't, it's almost like a dead energy. Yeah. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's not intentional. I think intentionality like around 
like in what you're saying around visual, I'm sure this is like stuff that you're so like well-versed to know about, <laughs> but like visualizing the energy moving within a body. Yeah. Like sexually, I'm thinking like in my experience, it works really well. Absolutely. And you get to have these amazing experiences because of like the visualization of like energy moving. Yeah. Is that sort of spot on somatic okay so spot I've been on practicing this and not knowing what it is <laughs> absolutely you have been and kind of bringing this back to what we talked about before you were saying Britt like what can I do to bring one of my partners into their body mm-hmm. you could facilitate something like that in a way that feels very playful and feels very sexy like can you imagine if my breath was like a gold thread and your nose to nose, right? And you're like, breathe in to me and I'll breathe into you, right? And visualize that. Whoa, that unlocks a totally different part of your brain than the brain that's online when you're thinking, oh my gosh, okay, well, I have to get consent. Oh my gosh, okay, well, does this person want me to touch them? Oh my gosh, okay, well, now we're kissing. Now what do I do? What do they want? What has their body language, right? You're kind of taking this analytical part of your brain and shutting it off. And you're letting your body do the work of feeling and touching. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. (laughs) I'm just, I mean, I'm thinking about like the somatic sort of like practices that I do and they're all very like private actually, you know, it's like me alone thinking about different sensations in my body Mm -hmm. and trying to find ease and trying to find breath. And that is a continuous process for me and has been for like several years, like trying to like really understand what are places of tension, what are places of like holding, what are patterns that I get into and how can I find ease and how can I feel my heart beating and how can I feel my lungs breathing and things like that. And Mm -hmm. and so when I do like drop into that space that I think you're, you were just saying like, it's a different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And when I feel like that part of my brain is active and the, the I guess, prefrontal cortex, that's usually like chatty, chatty and mm-hmm. whatever. You chatty, know, like chatty. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when that thing kind of calms down for a second and you drop into this space, it does feel to me, it feels very creative. It feels like a place that like, that's where I want to make art from. It's where I want to like lead sort of Cause I feel honest in that place. I feel mm-hmm. like I can feel my own feelings in that place. And I feel very in touch with myself. And I think going back to like, kind of what I was saying earlier, like I do think for me, like that has been very connected to my understanding of my own sexuality because it's like an intimacy with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I guess bringing that into like a session with clients I'm curious like how that works like do you approach like somebody as an individual first or as a couple first or do you have couples come to you or are they usually individuals and and how do you sort of approach beginning to kind of untangle all the things that may be in the way of this person's authentic sexual expression absolutely I love working with couples. That's my favorite type of work because often all of the, and I guess with individuals too, what I'm about to say applies, but often specifically with couples, all the answers are right there. They're on the Mm. table. They're in your body. You know them, you feel them. And I just get to help them see it, you know? Mm. And so when it comes to authenticity, typically what I'll do with couples is I'll ask them questions like, 
what's a boundary that you have? And only one person gets to talk at a time. So they're not approaching it from the perspective of the two of them together or -hmm. projecting from one person to the other of what they need or what they like. It's just, what do you like? Mm. Or I'll start in reverse. What do you think this person likes? And then you can kind of hear what the perceived answers are versus the real answers. And I think by having a coach in the room, you're also kind of approaching the conversation with this mediator in a way Mm. where it feels safe to be very honest. And I think that that's one of the keys that I have witnessed in coaching with my clients is all of the information is already there, but they don't necessarily know how to access it because they're trying to please. And so mm. by breaking that cycle of trying to please, because they're not trying to please me, who am I? I'm, I'm just a coach, right? Yeah. I'm the third person in the room that they're going to talk with for two to four sessions. And then I'm out of their life. Is that and typically how long it takes to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Quick, yeah. Quick work of It depends on what they're coming in for, but a lot of times couples just need the clarification, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you don't like this? Oh, okay. Why have I been doing it this whole time? And it's like, that's cool. And then it's just there. And then they know, wow, Mm -hmm. that is cool. Absolutely. And it is quite a bonding experience too, to go through visualization exercises together because they are then dropping into their own spaces in the same room. So I often work with couples over Zoom. Mm. So they're together in physical space and I'm through a screen. And it's amazing how much intimacy can be carried through a screen. And it's also really beautiful to witness the energy on the other side that I'm not part of, that they're creating. It's their own magic. It's their own energy. And they're like, whoa. Okay, we can do that. Let's do that all the time. Oh, that's you cool. know, and so by giving wow. tools and doing breath work and visualizations and working with disinhibition and getting people into their bodies and focusing on giving and receiving, setting boundaries, all of it, it's really just giving language and tools to people who have all of the feelings most of the time. They just need to know how to unlock it. That's amazing. Yeah. Is, how related is somatic sex coaching to like? Tantra. Oh, okay. I love this question too. It sounds so like comparable. It does sound comparable. And so maybe define Tantra for people who are <laughs> unfamiliar. Yeah. So Tantra is an ancient practice of breathwork and meditation and kind of manipulating erotic energy through the body. Because it is a sacred practice and I am not trained in it, I don't use the word Tantra in my practice. And I really try to create a hard boundary there. It's not the work that I do. And I also really want to respect the fact that it's not a practice that I have done myself or tried myself, right? So I have no, (laughs) no touch point to Tantra. However, the concept can be mapped very similarly. So you're working with energy in the body. You are stepping into a space that feels a little bit more elevated in terms of like awareness and, you know, you're heightening your senses and you're turning your full body online. For some people that can be like a religious sacred practice. And for other people, it can be just what they do as foreplay to get into their bodies before sex. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like I took a Tantra workshop. Did you? How was it? It was amazing. Yeah. Except like you said, it's an ancient practice. Yeah. So it was very gender rolled. Right. It was very much like catered to straight 
sucks. Yeah. But like, I just took it and was like, hmm, what does this mean for like me as a queer person? Like, how can I apply these principles and like modalities into like my sexual experiences? Yeah. And it honestly, like everything they were saying around like getting into your body, out of your head and like connecting the breath and like really like, at least in my very limited experience with Tantra, yeah. like it's, it's really about creating a synergy between you and your partner mm-hmm. where you're using breath and meditation and like kind of like opening up this sacred container yeah. to explore. Absolutely. Um, feels very comparable. I know that for that, I respect that you're not using the word Tantra, but yeah, but it's amazing that you can equate the two in certain ways. Right. And I can really appreciate that there are heavy gender roles in Tantra I think that's also probably why I never really was very drawn to it because I take a very gender expansive approach to my work. I try to help people break away from gender roles as much as I can and as much as they're willing because I personally believe that gender roles don't have to be so rigid and so defined. I think that that's also where we get into trouble with authenticity and power plays in power dynamics and all kinds of the sticky stuff that comes Mm -hmm. with that. So in my work, I typically just go with the types of bodies I'm working with, Mm -hmm. right? I don't play into masculinity or femininity. A lot of sex coaches, which I think are phenomenal, it's just not my approach. A lot of sex coaches go into the divine feminine Mm -hmm. or the strong masculine, And I think that that can be very helpful. It's also just not my thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's not my thing either. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so like, I think that's so important that you brought that up. That's so good. Like speak on it. Like, yeah, because like sex is for everyone and sex is for all bodies. (laughs) And there are so many different ways to have sex and so many different like dynamics and energies that you can pull from that. Not just two. Right. And so I love that you're saying like, hey, like that's great for whoever wants to engage in that. And also there's so much more. So much more. That we can explore. Absolutely. And it's all about playing with what you find hot, right? Like that's (laughs) what sex is. You know, that's why we watch different types of porn. That's why there's like 5 million categories on porn sites. It's like a very specific experience that you watch or that you feel, or that you can sense, activates that eroticism in us. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, we can't choose that. The way that we're programmed in terms of desire just is, right? And so I think that stepping into the world of coaching and really understanding that people are wired the way they are to a certain extent, and it's not about manipulating that, It's about learning to follow it, learning to communicate it, learning what your boundaries are. And when you, Sam, were talking about your dance practice, I was really listening and like resonating with what you're saying, because a lot of people don't take the time to learn their own bodies. Mm -hmm. They let their partners do the work for them, Mm. which. What what do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is kind of separating the concept of sex and masturbation, sex with partners and solo Mm. sex. Okay. And people who don't masturbate in an exploratory way, 
mm-hmm. typically have a harder time either giving or receiving with partners. They also have a harder time reaching orgasm. This is also great advice. (laughs) Yeah, well, because you have to know your body and know your system. I need to know what turns me on. I need to know how to get there. I need to know what I like. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be this like the usual order, right? It's not like a prescriptive ABCD checklist. It's just knowing what do I want? What do I like? How do I like to be touched? What are my hard no's? What are my hard yeses, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding that about myself, then I can bring that into a sexual experience with a partner and communicate with them and kind of coach them on what to do that makes me feel good. And then by them hearing what I like, hopefully it will feed in to turn them on. Right. And then they start touching because they're excited. And then I feel excited because I'm being touched. Right. And then it kind of snowballs from there and vice versa. So bringing it back full circle, I feel like I just went on a little tangent, bringing it back full circle, hearing your dance practice. And you were talking about how intimate it is and how private it is and how you feel like you can listen to your heartbeat and you can experience different parts of your body and unlock those parts that you don't typically do in everyday life. Yeah. When you are in a space where you are practicing and like listening to your heartbeat and really learning your body. And you were talking about how intimate of a practice that is. Mm -hmm. I was equating that in my head to a specific type of energy that you'll be able to access in masturbation, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you are learning and exploring your body. You're listening to your heartbeat and maybe it's not necessarily intentional for everybody, yeah. but if you bring intention into that and just pay a little bit more attention than you typically do in the like ABCD checklist that people do when they masturbate and they're just like, okay, this is what I know gets me off. Yeah. So I'm just going to do that as like a prescription. I think step one to learning your body better is do that prescription and just have a level of awareness as you're doing it mm. and then start to play with it. Then you start to manipulate it. Then you start to learn a little bit more like, oh, I actually really love this thing that I've never done before. Why have I never done that? Mm. Right. Because it wasn't part of the prescription at first. Yeah. And then you can also find out, wow, I really hate that. <laughs> this is not my thing. I don't like watching that. I don't uh-huh. like being touched this way, whatever it is. And then you get to be able to share that with other people and you'll have a much more satisfying experience in sex when you know your body better. Yeah. 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 yeah thank you for saying that. Like, <laughs> I think, no, it's so good. And from my experience as a dancer, as I do these practices um, that aim to enhance my awareness and create more ease in my body, I find like being able to actually drop into that place. And it does feel like that. It feels like a drop. Like it feels like there's a shift in like your awareness. And it's like, I do like some like Feldenkrais and body mind centering kind of like exercises and in body mind centering, they talk about opening the back of the brain. Mm. And I find that a really useful visualization for that feeling of when you like drop into your body, mm-hmm. it's like something, yeah, something drops back. When you okay. feel it, you feel it. I would dare to call that disinhibition. Okay. I okay, w- cool. I would say like taking almost as if you could visualize like taking your head off your shoulders and just like putting it on the bookshelf for an hour yeah. while you let the rest of your body move. Sam, you were talking about feeling like 
you like open the back of your brain and like drop into this space that feels very embodied, like you're turning your brain off. Right. And I feel like that is something that I try to access with my clients through a game that I call the animal game, Mm -hmm. which is when I encourage them to get on the floor. It works great with partners. I encourage them to get on the floor with each other, close their eyes and go in two different corners of the room and try to find each other without speaking. Yay. And so Are they blindfolded? No, just eyes closed. Yeah. You're speaking <laughs> Sam's language right now. Yeah, like 100%. <laughs> and once you find each other, you just explore their bodies without talking, right? What kind of animal? Whatever they want to be. Wow. And I'm so into this. <laughs> it is so fun. It's such a fun game. Anybody that's listening that's in partnership to somebody else, I encourage you to like set this up, put this date on the calendar to just like get on the floor with your partner in really comfy clothes and find each other from across the room and then slowly start to take each other's clothes off and just explore. It is so fun. You're not allowed to use your eyes, right? So you can be blindfolded if you want to, but I just ask people to close their eyes because not everybody has blindfolds in the house, you know? And it's great because what you're doing is essentially opening that back part of the brain, you're turning off the thinking part of your brain. You are not processing what's on your grocery list or your to-do list or what you're doing after this or what time it is or if the dog needs to go out or whatever it is that's like the mental checklist that really keeps us in our heads all the time. You're turning that off completely and you're just having fun. I love it because it's like that analogy of like the animal brain. But then you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, being an animal, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, no, absolutely. I lo- that's I so cool. This. That's I want to live life like this all the time. <laughs> like, not gonna lie. I like, know. actually, whenever I, I, <laughs> I feel that. Whenever reason. I'm like, no, but like when I'm dancing or whatever, and I'm like, they're like improvise. Like I'm always on all fours. Are you a cat? I don't know, and not specifically. It's just like <laughs> I it's just like feeling that like, and it is like sensual. But what's um, the animal? It can be whatever. Like, it's like you know. I think yeah. I think it should change personally. Yeah, for sure. And that's where Love it can that. get fun too, right? Is like you can put on different personas of different types of animals if you really want to like get into sort of a role play experience. But I think my goal in doing this exercise with people is not necessarily to specifically think of an animal and embody that, but rather picturing themselves, just like them as an animal. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. That's cool. Yeah. I think we need to have a sex party or everyone's <laughs> animals. Like, no yeah. sex needs to be. Ha- well, like, I don't know. Should we? I mean, we absolutely can. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, that does I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, even though I'm so into like this, the whole idea is like, Yes. With the right people, you do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I do think, yeah, there are a lot of like parallels to dance, I guess. And that's why I feel like I relate to that, even though I've never like seen a somatic sex coach or done any of these cool ideas that we have now and that we can share with all (laughs) of our pod people. But I love that you shared that. I love that you shared that. that, uh, Thanks. Yeah. Everyone listening tries it out. Absolutely. And I think too, what I was going to say was when I was listening to you saying, I don't really know what type of animal it is. And I just wish that I could live my life this way. 
it made me think about the concept of socialization again and really bringing it full circle back to the beginning of the episode when we were talking about scripts. Mm-hmm. I think that as kids, we're encouraged to use our bodies to touch things and play with things and mess things up and run around and fall on the ground and play and hug people and and feel our senses so heavily. And as adults, as you grow into adulthood, you kind of slowly are told not to do that anymore. And we really start to prioritize intellectualism over sensory experiences. And that I feel is a huge piece of social culture that contributes to people having bad sex for lack of (laughs) (laughs) lack of like fluff, right? It's like people are having bad sex because they don't know how to be in their bodies anymore. Yeah. And when you learn how to be in your body, be it through dance or through somatic coaching exercises or through surfing or through running or whatever it is, or being an animal on the floor with your partner, right? It feels silly and we're laughing at the idea because it feels very juvenile. It doesn't feel very sexy. But by tapping into that kind of sensory part of ourselves that feels juvenile by concept, by societal concept, we're starting to bring back the sensory experiences that we can tap into in adulthood, which is where you get into like the eroticism and the sensual. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's that programmatic script that's getting in people's way of having good sex. Yeah. Damn, Hunter, this has been so great. I've learned a lot. (laughs) This is so fun. I want to keep going, but I don't know what time it is. I I, it's like 10 p.m. now. No, maybe we'll have uh, to do a part two. Oh, definitely. No, absolutely. We'll definitely. I would do. love a part two. Yeah, yeah. or a part three, four. We can just you can just be a reoccurring re- guest <laughs> or our third great odd person. I'll be the third co-host. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. You're hired. Uh, yeah, amazing. Let's go. Perfect, y'all. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, and I had a lot of fun laughing with you guys too. Cool. Oh so, good. so for our listeners who are interested in having better sex, where can they find you? <laughs> Y'all can find me on Instagram. My handle is at it's Hunter Ray. And we'll on- put that in the description too of this episode. Perfect. So in case people don't know how to spell or, yeah. or fig- they'll figure it out. Perfect. Okay, great. And then my website is foxandfernpleasure.com, which will also be in the show notes. Cool. Why why Fox and Fern? Where did this come from? It's a great question. I actually have that in an FAQ on my website because I feel like people would be like, what the heck does this mean? I chose Fox and Fern because I've always been obsessed with ferns since I was a kid. They represent new growth. I really just think that they're beautiful as a plant. I think they're really resilient and they have this really like delicate feeling to them mm. when I look at them. And I've also really loved foxes since I was a kid and that kind of like ravenous hunter kind of profile to them and that kind of like edgy danger and the fact that they coexist in nature with ferns is kind of like a play on eroticism for me. It's like the soft and the sensual and the delicate and also this kind of like very powerful, very like intentional, very kind of like purpose-driven feeling. I feel like we might know what your animal is now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, is it a fox? My animal actually is a wolf. Oh. Yeah. Which is funny. It's very similar, but slightly different. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to think about my animal. Hell yeah. Definitely. We'll have the answer for the listeners in part two. 
Yeah. And Sam, where can the where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at Lavender Gaze Pod. Which is coming soon. Which or coming it's soon. you can find it now. It exists. And we release episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Or anywhere else you may get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like it. On Apple Pod. Or a rating. On Spotify. It helps us out a lot. And we love reading your reviews. And we're going to start reading some. Like on the podcast. Yeah. And yeah. maybe this is a good, like, this is where, where we'll leave it. But it seems like through doing this work, I imagine you've learned a lot about humans mm-hmm. and about how we connect to each other. And so what is something that you've learned through doing this work that you wish that everybody knew? Mm. Whoa, it's a great question. Oh, honestly, I think that leading with authenticity is something that I wish everybody knew how to do and exercised often in conversations, in sex. I think we are just programmed to do things the way that we think we're supposed to do it. And it actually ends up not feeling great, be it work or sex or relationships or friendships or whatever. And I think that if people were more authentic and true to themselves and really practiced like talking about what they want, and accessing it, people would overall just be happier. And I think it just makes people's sex lives so much better. Fuck yeah. That's such a good answer. Love it. Hey. Awesome. <laughs> well, right. here at Lavender Gaze, we always try to be authentic and <laughs> super funny. gay for all of you. And if you are gay too, then you should keep listening. Yeah. That's one of our values. (laughs) Authenticity and good sex. So perfect. (laughs)